Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hello. Dad. Luke. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? I was calling just to remind you about an event that we have coming up for 30 Pop. Okay. So next Wednesday, July 31st at Cafeza in Houston, we're doing a live episode looking back 30 years at the debut of one of your favorite shows of all time, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> okay. And I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I distinctly remember throughout my entire childhood, most of like the father-son conversations we had where you were imparting life advice to me at some point referenced Saved by the Bell. I remember watching it pretty faithfully with my sons. <laughs> no. Sometimes when they weren't, no. I'd sneak a peek. Yes, that was more like it. I think it came on when we were at school and you would watch it every day. Oh, Okay. You're one of the biggest diehard Saved by the Bell fans I've ever known. And I'm pretty proud of that fact. See, most of those people have turned out to be class actors and good people. So Mario Lopez just does game shows. Screech did porn. <laughs> Zach Morris is an incredible actor. All right. And NYPD Blue. And I'm glad to hear it. Mr. Belding, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I know you probably won't be able to make it, but I just wanted you to know Wednesday night... July 31st, Saved by the Bell, live episode of 30 Pop. That might be worth a drive from Fort Worth to Houston, huh? Come on down. You can co-host. That would be great. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> awesome. All right. I love you, Dad. I love you too, bud. Talk to you soon. Uh, bye. From Mill U Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 1, Episode 22. I'll have what she's having. Today we're looking back at the weeks that ended Saturday, July 15th and 22nd, 1989. Hello friends, I'm so glad to be back after taking last week off as I was doing a bit of traveling. We have two weeks worth of nostalgia to catch up on though, so let's just jump right in. Two weeks and 30 years ago, the number one album in the country for the final week was Fine Young Cannibals, The Raw and the Cooked. Of which, as an update, sorry Mason, I am still not a fan. It was finally replaced, though, this week by an album I was a fan of. Prince's soundtrack to Tim Burton's Batman. That would go on to dominate the Billboard charts for the next six consecutive weeks in the number one spot. The number one single in the country the week of the 15th was the simply read classic If You Don't Know Me By Now, which was replaced on the 22nd by actress Martika's single Toy Soldiers, a song I assume most folks know best from Eminem's similarly titled 2005 release Like Toy Soldiers, which sampled the song's hook throughout. I'll be honest, I had a bit of a crush on Martika or at least on Gloria, her character on the Disney Channel series Kids Incorporated, in which she starred alongside the Black Eyed Peas anthem-butchering Stacy Fergie Ferguson. Fun fact, that show also helped launch the careers of Jennifer Love Hewitt and A.C. Slater himself, Mario Lopez. 
The number one film at the box office yet again for both the week of the 15th and the 22nd was Mel Gibson and Danny Glover's Lethal Weapon 2, which is a bit surprising considering the romantic comedy classic that released on the 21st when Harry met Sally, starring Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal. This week, I sat down with my rom-com loving friend and past guest, Haley Durrett, to talk about it. Haley Durrett, welcome back to 30 Pop. Thank you. I'm this, so excited to be back. This time without your mom. I know. Wow. Only one Durrett girl this time. Only one of us. So, okay. So we're looking back over the last couple of weeks, this episode, because we took a break. Mm-hmm. But the Rob Reiner film, When Harry Met Sally, released in theaters. And you're a fan of this? I am a big fan of this. So before we dive into it, are you typically like a rom-com fan? Is that your genre? Or I mean, it's one of my genres. Okay. I tend to like most movies. Okay. But. <laughs> I, that's actually true for me, too. I'm yeah. pretty easily entertained. Right. But I don't know a whole lot of romantic comedies. That's just not a world that I sort of exist in. I mean, I exist in that world. Okay. Very perfect. much. So how would you rank this film as a connoisseur of romantic comedies? Where would you rank this film? I think this is a classic that will go down in the annals of time as one of the best rom-coms ever. So pretty high then. Pretty high. That's good. Okay. My mom will be pleased to hear that. She (laughs) loves this and basically everything that Meg Ryan ever did. So making moms happy since 1990. Fun fact about this film, which Mm -hmm. you heard because you were at Trivia Night this past week. I was. Got second place. Pumped. (laughs) The person who the role of Sally was offered to was Molly Ringwald, which I think is just real interesting to think about. I do too. I feel like she has her niche in the not as much rom-com but like coming of age 80s films category like she has her lane well and she would have been still so young at this point i mean it was 89 like she's like early 20s right and the film goes until they're what like 37 something like that yeah like mid to late at least early 30s i know at least at one point she's 32 years old yeah and it spans 12 years and it's from like the day they leave college yeah so like 34 yeah so it's just real hard for me to imagine molly ringwald pulling that off but apparently she couldn't do it because of her schedule and then later like in the early 2000s she played the role of sally in the london stage production of the show which i think is so interesting well in 2004 she would not have been young right that's true which is another yeah Crazy, crazy fact. So tell me what you love about this film. So I was reading a review of this film earlier today, just to brush up, and one of the critics said that you can tell that this, the direct quote was that this is a woman from the pen of a woman. Mm -hmm. And Nora Ephron's the writer. Yes, Nora Ephron's the writer of the screenplay, and it is very clear that Sally Albright is a female-written female character. Mm. She has all of the quirks and just kind of funny aspects to her that I don't think would have come from a male writer Mm -hmm. or I don't foresee them having come from a male writer. And I think she is just fascinating. She's very relatable. She's not this like picture perfect rom-com lead who's in a creative field and has like, you know, the type. She's not that. She's quirky. She's driven. She's anal retentive. She's hilarious. And I love her. I have always loved the like best friends fall in love trope that Mm -hmm. has just like ruined me romantically since forever. And that will always be something that 
I am drawn to in a story. So that's interesting because the whole premise that Billy Crystal's character, Harry, operates on is that men and women can't be friends. Right. So it's interesting that that is a hang-up for you. (laughs) Which, I mean, my perspective is that men and women can absolutely be friends. Sure. Like, I firmly stand in that camp. And I think that they proved that they could be friends. But... (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so... Billy Crystal, I think he's fantastic. I love pretty much everything. I think he and Bruno Kirby did several films together. They did City mm-hmm. Slickers a few years after that. It's a great mm-hmm. duo. Carrie Fisher, fantastic in this film. Love. Completely different Carrie Fisher than we ever saw in anything else. Oh, totally. And I think she probably loved that too. I mean, it looks like all of the cast was having the best time filming this. Mm-hmm. And I love Carrie Fisher in this. And I, as with most people, for sure knew her as Leia before I knew her oh, as course. Sally's best friend. But I think she was so much fun. And one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever is the split phone call yes. when they're in bed and both Sally and Billy Crystal's character call them and talk about the night they slept together. That is like to this day, perfect and hilarious. Yeah. And it stands the test of time. And yeah. incredibly well written and directed. I mean, brilliant direction. So good. So, okay, so one of the things that I love to do with films like this is to reimagine them today as we are in a culture now where Hollywood is constantly just remaking films. Granted, this film has sort of been remade over and over in that, you know, we've seen lots of Meg Ryan romantic comedies. We've seen, you know, it feels like we've seen this movie a few times. But what I would love to hear in your mind, if this were to be remade today, who plays Harry? Who plays Sally? Uh, Oh, this is a tough one. I think Harry would have to be an equally comedic actor. It Mm -hmm. couldn't be a leading guy in the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. It couldn't be some heartthrob that we all know and love. It needs to be someone quirky and interesting. Yeah. And actually not terribly attractive. Like I think that's one of the things that's funny about Billy Crystal is like, he's not your classic, like good looking guy or whatever. He's just like, he's all personality and sort of misplaced confidence actually in his character. For sure. I like, it was hard for me not to hear Mike Wazowski when (laughs) watching it this time. I was like, whoa, I hadn't connected that in the same way I did upon this recent (sighs) viewing. And I was like, okay, disconnect, disconnect, which I think is the hard part about having one of those super identifiable voices and doing voice acting. Yeah. So as far as a casting today for that role, it needs to be a quirky dude. It needs to be... It needs to be like Steve Carell from 10 years ago. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Or, I mean, Adam Scott maybe. From Parks, Parks and, Rec. and Rec. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Adam Scott would be great. Yeah, he'd be great. I mean, you he'd actually could one. make it with Adam Scott and... Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler, yeah. Amy Poehler would be excellent. She could absolutely do Sally. This neurotic, yes. quirky, fun... Character. It'd be way more on the nose comedy, I think. With, yeah, with her. Whereas, for sure. whereas Meg Ryan just is a perfectly believable person. That's the thing is, I feel like I know that character in real life. Yeah, I feel like I have friends who are exactly like oh, that. It's my mom. <laughs> in so many ways, now, I she's love not. That. She's not neurotic, but like, there's so much about Meg Ryan in every Meg Ryan role that reminds me of my mom. Right. Yeah. Yeah, she's wonderful. I think you need to get someone young in there. Emma Stone, maybe. Hmm. Maybe, I don't know. I feel like we need to throw some diversity in there, but I... I could see Mindy Colling playing a role like that. That would be the peak of her life. I think that... She, because <laughs> I think she could make that a believable character, that she is, you know, neurotic without being that super on-the-nose humor. I could totally see that. According to both of her books, it is one of her favorite movies of all time. Really? Okay. Yeah. She loves that movie. She used to watch it, like, over and over and over again as a child. Nice. At home, in the way that, like, some kids stay up late reading or whatever. She would, like, watch <sighs> rom-coms. Yeah. <laughs> Which... 
I think contributes to her success significantly. But yeah, she could do it for sure. Yeah, she'd be fun to see in a role. I think Aziz Ansari, without his problematic points, would be a great Harry. Yeah, that's true. He would be awesome. Yeah, if he could turn down the Aziz a little bit. Like, so, like, if he could play it a little more straight, he's always sort of like oozing with sarcasm in a way that, like, is actually too much for that role. So, like, you know, Billy Crystal, I mean, Harry in the film is really aware that he has a dark side mm-hmm. and, and is pretty open about that. And that's hard for me to imagine with Aziz. Yeah. I almost want it to be like a gender role reversal. Mm. I mean, I could even see like Dimitri Martin doing oh, something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. That would be a real interesting... I think that would be a fun twist on it as a role reversal Yeah, there. Just because Harry's character, I mean, he is the more heartbroken one throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is stereotypically a more feminine movie characters being the heartbroken one. Mm. And Sally is the one who's just like brushing off her breakup with Joe the whole time. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm totally over him. And Until then, the other greatest scene of her right? completely melting down. Which like also I've seen this movie numerous times, many, many times. And this was the first time last night that I cried watching it. Really? And it was during that scene. I was like, okay, first of all, I think it's supposed to be kind of funny and I'm tearing up. Maybe I'm tired. That's okay. I cry every time I watch Elf, so it makes you feel better. That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Also, I love. I tear up. Let me be real clear. I tear up when I watch Elf. I mean, own it. I am. I'm just (laughs) want to be honest. Yeah, I love that scene. I love her like just throwing Kleenex behind her the whole time, and it's funny because it's not great acting. It's really not great acting, Mm -mm. but it is perfect Mm -hmm. for the part. You know what I mean? And for the film and for the time, it's this kind of innocent portrayal at least with her mm-hmm. she has this really kind of transparent acting like it's you know she's acting you know it's not you know it's yeah. not super believable but even still the mm-hmm. character is so believable well, Where, I, whereas harry you know billy crystal i think just kind of nails it i mean he he's like a great actor at this point yeah he's perfect and i think it takes really really good writing to make Billy Crystal, a romantic lead. Yeah, seriously. And I was in love with him by the end of the movie. I was like, I want someone to come interrupt me during a New Year's Eve party and declare their love. Yeah. Like, this is what love is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, too, because I feel like this was the first rom-com. I know it probably isn't, but like, mm-hmm. I feel like it, I mean, I know it isn't, but I feel like it created a whole new genre, which right. which opened the door for like Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail and all of the others that all seem to have Meg Ryan in them. But all of those style of movies, I feel like this was the first one. It felt original when it came out. I'm fuzzy on the timing of all of that. Sure, you uh, weren't alive yet, so that's fine. <laughs> but this one to me is, I mean, it's a standard to which I hold a lot of other rom-coms. Yeah. And few meet that standard. Okay, so let's talk about that standard then. What okay. are some other films that meet that or get close to the When Harry Met Sally standard that you have set? I think it really all boils down to characters. Storyline in a rom-com is obviously not the point because they all have the same storyline. Right. I think, and this might be a hot take, I think The Proposal is one of the best rom-coms of all time. That is... That's Sandra Bullock where she plays... Ryan Reynolds? And Ryan Reynolds where they go to Alaska. Wow. It marries comedy and romance in like the most hilarious way. And it's another strong female who's not some like manic pixie girl sure. character who is just funny and like doesn't necessarily need a relationship and then finds herself enamored with someone by complete accident, which again might be ruining my idea of romance <laughs> for the rest of my life. So the proposal is one of them. That's interesting. It's so hard for me to imagine liking Ryan Reynolds in anything 
outside of Deadpool. I am not a Ryan Reynolds fan. Oh, remotely. That is he is super obnoxious to me. Okay, but that's why, <laughs> and, and that's why he's perfect in Deadpool. Like he just gets yeah, that's, to be obnoxious. That's but, the role there. Yeah. Okay, so other ones. I mean, anything Meg Ryan did is perfect. Sure. Back then, I hated the women, but that's not even a rom com. But like IQ, all of them, they're wonderful. I'm trying to think other rom coms that meet this standard. This one might be number one. Really? It might. Top romantic comedy. Top billing. Let's see what the internet says here, real quick. I love also almost anything that Sandra Bullock does. Of course. Hers are more either comedy or romance, though. There's not a lot of like rom com Sandra Bullock, in my opinion. She does like buddy cop movies, or she does a drama, or she does. Mm-hmm. Something like Hope Floats, where there's not an ounce of comedy in it, but it's still right. a beautiful movie featuring the perfect Harry Connick Jr. Did you see Crazy Rich Asians? Yeah, but that's more than a rom-com. On Rotten Tomatoes, it is number six. It no. is the number six ranked rom-com in the top 150. Loved it. Not a rom-com in my... I mean, it is, but it's more than a rom-com. Yeah, this list is interesting. They've got Princess Bride on there, and I guess it is a romantic comedy, but like, it's, it's like, way more like adventure fantasy to me than... For sure. Groundhog Day is number 20. I don't See, Ugh. that's another one. I don't think of that as a romantic comedy. Even while it is, it's... I will watch Groundhog Day a, on repeat. <laughs> Like Groundhog Day, but I, no. Yeah, it's got Bull Durham on here. This is an interesting list. Those, that's a what, sports film. What source do we have here? This is Rotten Tomatoes. So oh. number, number 26 is Say Anything. If you've got, if you've got Bull Durham as a higher ranked <laughs> romantic comedy than Say Anything, then that is a skewed list. It's problematic for sure. Silver Linings Playbook. Again, I just don't think of that. And it's a drama. Yeah, like this is a. It's a dark drama. Rotten Tomatoes. You're wrong. You're off. You got it all wrong. Yeah. Okay, so that's the whole list then. You've got Meg Ryan films and the, <laughs> the proposal. proposal. <laughs> that feels weak, but I mean, it, I'm racking my brain right now for rom-coms that I think are up to this caliber. What would you say some of yours are? I don't know. Like I said, I'm not super familiar with the genre. So okay. like, when I think romantic comedy, that's what I think of. I think of When Harry Met Sally, You've Got Mail, Sleepless mm-hmm. in Seattle. That's like the three that I know mm-hmm. that I would specifically classify as that. Some of those on the Rotten Tomatoes list. I love those films, but I just don't think of right. those. I mean, Pretty Woman is a great film. Yeah, that's love a, it. Okay, so that's a good one. That's a rom-com. It is a rom-com. For sure. And yeah. I like, love Richard Gere. And there's so many like fun, easy, fluffy yeah. rom-coms that I can think Real of. Real mixed feelings about Richard Gere. Love him in that movie. Okay. I think he's kind of a creep, though. You have some interesting opinions that I feel like I disagree Richard strongly. Gere, he's also amazing in Primal Fear. I haven't seen that. That's an incredible movie. Not mm-hmm. a rom-com. Not remotely. Mm. But yeah, Richard Gere, he's just odd for me. I don't know. Oh! Oh! Two weeks notice. Never heard of it. Who are you? Is this like a J-Lo? Is it J-Lo? No. Two okay. weeks notice is Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant. She's his personal assistant. He's I've never some, heard of this like, film. Are you f- this? Okay, you have homework tonight. Okay. <laughs> and it's to watch two weeks I'm, notice. I just started Stranger Things season three, so I don't know that that's going to happen. Okay, but. whatever. <laughs> I will say, two weeks notice is a classic. So Hugh Grant, he's got a bunch of rom-coms. That's where I was, that, we're, And yeah. Julia Roberts. So, okay, so now I'm Notting thinking Hill, like, My Best Friend's Wedding. My Best Friend's Wedding. Classic, wed- that's a great film. My Best Friend's Wedding is another one that has ruined I was about my to say, <laughs> notion I'm, of. I'm confident in <laughs> Yeah. Um, you do, like you said, it's the best friend thing. Yeah. It is. And it has, that's not what's ever happened, but I predict that it will someday. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Who is the best friend in your mind? Not around yet. Drop, drop names. <laughs> uh, but Notting Hill is up there. Okay. I never saw that. I've heard of it, but. That one. Okay. I will also say my best friend's wedding in Notting Hill are two of the best soundtracks. Oh yeah. Of all time. 
All right. Love them. That's an on-ramp for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's talk soundtrack for When Harry Met Sally. I loved this soundtrack. What's on it? All you need to know is if you love Harry Connick Jr., you'll love this soundtrack. I do love Harry Connick Jr. I don't think I realized, even though it was a part of trivia, I knew that he appeared on this because mm-hmm. this was his first soundtrack that he ever appeared on, and I knew that from Trivia Night, but right. I didn't realize that he did like all the music. Yeah, and it's so good. And I listened to it all day today. I was feeling super nice, jazzy. Nice. Every couple songs, there was a Christmas song, and I was like, all right, yes. this makes sense. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Oh. So I am the type of person, as you know, mm-hmm. any film for me that is set at any part, especially if it's like a pivotal moment mm-hmm. at Christmas time, that's a Christmas movie to me. And so when I was watching this film this week, I was like, oh, it's a Christmas movie. I love it. It's my favorite. I would like to make the argument that it's a New Year's movie. There are important <laughs> things, but New Year's is a part of Christmas. You know that. It's a part of the season. Christmas is 12 days long. You're right. And New Year's falls in those Right, 12 smack days. in the middle. So it is okay. a Christmas film. I respect it. Yeah. yeah. I think the two most pivotal scenes in the movie I, I, happen I, around I New Year's. I expected you to agree with me more fully on this, more wholeheartedly, I mean, because you like to celebrate Christmas as do I year-round. I do celebrate Christmas year-round. I have a very strict definition of what a Christmas movie is. Okay. What is that definition? It is more than just having Christmas occur during the movie. Christmas doesn't just occur, though. There's like scenes that are built around right. multiple important scenes. The most important scenes, I would argue, of this film happen at Christmas time. And, okay, Christmas time. Doing but, Christmas things. But they're at New Year's. They're doing Christmas things. They're, they're first like attracted to each other at New Christmas Year's. Christmas tree. Okay, but that's not like pivotal. Lots of Christmas music, as you said. There's a ton of Christmas music. But in the same way, I don't consider Die Hard a Christmas movie. You are wrong about that. <laughs> you are absolutely wrong about that. I, we're going to have to Your agree rules to are too strict. How is Die Hard not a Christmas movie? Die Hard is a movie that happens to be set on Christmas. Why can there not be Christmas action movies or action Christmas there movies? There can be, but then, it, like then Christmas is not, is not the it message is, of Christmas is not part of Die Hard. It absolutely, the message of Christmas, let's, okay. <laughs> no, like, the, it's not a film about baby Jesus. <laughs> I agree. But it's not a film about like... Neither is Home Alone, for the record. <laughs> Home Alone is more about Christmas in the sense it's about, well... It's in the I exact might be, same way. Because mm, I was going to say Die about Hard family, is. but Die Hard is about family because yes, he's is. going to visit his kids and wife. Yes, it is. Oh, are you lawyering me on this? Lawyering you? Out-arguing me? I'm just telling you how it is, just uh, like I did with the correct pronunciation of Jif, but... It's Gif. We'll save that. <laughs> I, mm. It's a Christmas I, film. So I one of the podcasts that I listen to faithfully, sure. hosted by a past guest on this show, Tim Babb, mm-hmm. spent an entire year debate. It's a Christmas podcast. They spent an entire year debating, is Die Hard a Christmas film? What was his verdict? The verdict from him and the entire community around him was, yes, it is. Mm. They were settling the debate once and for all. It is settled, so I'm sorry to tell you. Actually, I hope you're relieved to know now. You don't have to feel that tension anymore. Okay. Die Hard is a Christmas film, as is When Harry Met Sally. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I see the struggle happening <laughs> on your face. So I want to wish you, this July, a Merry Christmas, and thank you for coming on to talk to me about this fantastic Christmas film with an amazing Christmas soundtrack by Harry Connick Jr. Well, Merry Christmas to you, too. Thank you for that. Friends, if you haven't watched When Harry Met Sally in a while, you should definitely revisit it. 
It's seriously so well-written and directed. Big props to Rob Reiner and its writer, the late Nora Ephron. Other fun stuff that happened over the course of the last two weeks in 1989. Former President Ronald Reagan helped sportscast the MLB All-Star Game. I have no idea why. The very bizarre Weird Al comedy UHF released in theaters. And the memorable, albeit very bad in every way, teen sitcom Hey Dude debuted on Nickelodeon. Starring Ben Stiller's now ex-wife Christine Taylor. I got to talk about it with one of my very favorite people in the world, Latifa Alatas, in a segment I like to call Truly Horrible Things. Latifa, welcome back to 30 Pop. So good to have you. Luke, so great to be here. So we're going to talk about the TV show Hey Dude. Hey Dude. (laughs) This is a segment called Truly Horrible Things, brought to us by a really fun company called Truly Horrible Things. They make really funny card games like we used to play when we were kids before we had phones and computers and things to play on. They're super funny, super sarcastic. Folks can check them out at trulyhorriblethings.com. But what we do in this segment is talk about things that are so bad that they are good. Yes. Hey Dude is absolutely... In fact, I'm not sure it's so bad that it's good. It may be just so bad. There's something strangely uncomfortable about the entire... We just watched an episode together. Yes. Called Battle of the Sexes. Yes. Which was latent with lots of triggering... Yeah. language and the show was was not written by feminists no uh, for sure no. oh and can we discuss just the god-awful pacing of the show was it just that there we is were kids n- no comedic timing n- zero and i don't know if television just moved slower back then which i think might also be a thing but this was bad i don't think it has to do with it being back then because i remember when i yes. was nine years old and the show came out thinking this is terrible. But why do I we would, keep watching it? I don't know. I think I watched it because it was terrible. It's the same reason I watch yeah. like Jersey Shore and Big Brother now because it's so bad <laughs> that I can't look away. I've got to know, does it get worse? I also, I had a crush on Ted. I, I mean. I know you did. I, I saw did. I saw I, your eyes I twinkling. Like, when uh, <laughs> Ted, who went on to play Vinny, is that his name? On yes, Blossom. On Blossom. Yeah. He's also, as you read, in 90210. Yes. What else was he on? Roseanne. Roseanne. Full House. Cameos he, in all of he these He did shows. the circuit. He yes. Did, um, and then Melody. Lots of creds. Melody married Ben Stiller. Yes. Christine Taylor, unbelievably, <sighs> marries into like an Comedy acting, royalty. Yes, yes. Yes. Comedy family. Oh my gosh. That show was bad. It's real bad. I don't understand how it got made. I don't understand how it made it for 63 episodes. 63 episodes over five seasons. Where were the families? We, like, we just saw that they work at a camp, but we just saw the, the employees. A dude ranch, specifically. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I, th- I guess it's a summer job for these kids who are like high school age. I think it's best said in the song. Yippee ki yay Yippee ki what? <laughs> Why don't we... It's so bad. Why don't we listen to the song? That's real a great quick. idea. That's a great idea. Here is the theme song from Hey Dude. Break of day. 
better watch out for those man-eating jackrabbits and that killer cacti. Hey, dude. It's so bad. Even the theme song. What is the deal with the bass voice? Because that is not an actual bass. That's like chopped and screwed 1989. It's very disturbing. Oh, it's so (laughs) bad. I'm trying to figure out. What about it felt addicting? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, for me, it was like I just had to know if it was going to get worse. It was just like I couldn't believe I was astounded start to finish every episode I've ever seen with like how bad this show is. It might have been the sexual tension between Brad and Ted. And (laughs) Brad is a girl. Brad is a girl. (laughs) Brad the girl. Not that there's anything wrong. No, I mean, I'm not mad at it, but I'm saying like, I think that's probably what kept me coming back. Like, are they going to get together? It's like any epic show. It's all about the sexual tension. And then as soon as they get together, like The Office with Jim and Pam, I really stopped watching after they got together. Boring yeah. snooze yeah, fest. it did get a little, yeah. I mean, I love that show. but Agreed. And I don't know the answer. I don't know if Brad and Ted ever made it. I literally can't remember because maybe it happened the last episode of yeah. season five. <laughs> it's like it's like Wonder Years when <laughs> yes, Kevin and Winnie finally exactly. got married. Oh, yeah. I mean, nobody wants to watch after that. <laughs> Jeez. That's what it was. But let's talk then. Let's talk about Danny. Ugh. Danny, who plays the Native American kid and is totally not a Native American no, kid. No, no. I mean, that's a whole other commentary. On, like, what were we doing back then casting people into ethnicities that they are I not? I mean, it's the same thing we're doing today, I think. Yeah. Like, it's still a problem. Oh, my gosh. It's really, really bad. And his acting... It's just like you it's really... not acting. You want him to be good. It's... Yeah. But he's the yeah. worst. He's yeah. absolutely the worst. There's a great reason why he never acted again, to my knowledge, after, or at least not, not that According he's credited to IMDb. for on IMDb. Gosh, it's really, really, really bad. Uh, I really love this show. I honestly, until we watched it today, I think my memories were fond. Like I told a group of friends when we were walking over here, like, hey, I'm going to do this podcast and we're going to talk about Hey Dude. And everyone th- sang the theme song. We all knew it. And now I watch that show and I'm like, oh, no. So here's something fun. Danny, I'm looking at Danny. So his his name is Joe Torres. Mm. I'm looking at his IMDb profile. He was nominated nope. in 1991 for a Young Artist Award, Best Youth Variety or Game Show for Hey Dude. This kid was nominated. The only trivia fact it has, Joe is a very talented artist. The Dudesbury episode, Hey Dude, where his character drew a comic strip, is based on this fact, Mexican-American. That's all it's... <laughs> That's his entire IMDb profile. That is like, what is he doing now? You know, uh, what, what I mean, happened? What launched him? I hope he like, got he might in- actually work at a dude ranch. I mean, that's probably what it is. It probably sparked his love and passion for dude ranch work. Maybe that's what he did I think already. Yeah. And they were just like, Hey, you work here already. You want to be on the show? I don't think that was it. I think they were looking for somebody and they're like, you know, what we really need is a native American presence on this show. Yeah. I know. Let's hire somebody from Mexico. <laughs> Uh, and interestingly, there was no sexual tension between him and Melody. I no. didn't. I didn't feel anything. I didn't, I didn't there. really feel that magic. Yep. That magic spark. I know that there was sexual tension made with Melody and Ted too at yeah. some point. I think I remember that, and I think maybe that's what kept me coming back. Like, who's Ted going to be with? Who's Ted going to be with? And why isn't it me? And why thought? isn't it me? Jeez, Ted, where so, are you? So, how would you rank him in your? on your scale of like childhood crushes. Oh, he's definitely below Kirk Cameron from Growing Pains. For sure. Definitely below. Is anyone above Kirk Cameron from Growing Pains? Maybe Michael J. Fox when he was in Family Ties. Really? And Back to the Future. Really? You liked Alex Keating more than Mike Seaver. I mean, 
They were both so cute. But Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox was so cool. Of course. Uh, well, yeah, but that's a different. I mean, I know, that's but, completely but different. That's, what I, that's how I think Alex first. Keating was a young Republican. He, yes. But when you are also an eight-year-old Republican because your parents <laughs> told you Jesus was a Republican, he really falls in line with my family values. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess I guess Mike Seaver was too risky. I also really liked Will Smith from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Of course, yeah, Ain't but we didn't that. have that yet. So he no. was he was just the Fresh Prince at this point. Yeah, he was just very fresh. <laughs> so okay, so he was higher. You said below Kirk. Cameron. He's below all of them because I think the show so is he's just so bad. Barely on the list. Yeah, he's then. barely. I mean, I think I maybe even like Captain Joe Friday more than. What were you watching? Dragnet. I mean, obviously. Why were you watching? I watched a lot of Dragnet. Unbelievable. My crime obsession started young. Wow. (laughs) Now it's Criminal Minds, much scarier. Child warning. Well, hey, dude. I don't know if they're going to reboot this series anytime soon. I don't think Christine Taylor's doing much work since her divorce, but maybe she she would revisit. The yeah. character of Melody. This is a grown-up version of Hey Dude. She's probably the owner of the Dude Ranch now, yes. and we all know that Joe Torres is still working on it. Yep. So he's, <laughs> he's down. He's down. Recurring Just, role. I think they're probably all pretty available <laughs> yeah. at this point in their Ugh. careers. Yeah, we don't know what happened to Brad, do we? I don't. I did not look up Brad. Mm, I think she gets overlooked a lot. <laughs> so Ted probably did end up marrying Melody. Melody, I think, yeah, I think he definitely ended they up Melody. The place together. I like, I like that we don't actually know, and I'm not... I don't think it's worth watching all five seasons again to unravel that mystery. I can tell you with no hesitation, it's not worth watching all five seasons <laughs> for so any painful. reason. Yeah. I love that we just sat and watched an episode together. That one 26-minute episode Never felt getting that back. like <laughs> it felt like five seasons to me. Real long. All right. Well, truly horrible, horrible show. There's nobody else I'd rather watch a horrible show with, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, friend. Hopefully we'll have you back on again very yes, please. soon. Yes, please. We'll see you. Bye. Huge thanks to my friends over at Truly Horrible Things for supporting 30 Pop and just for making the world a little more fun. Don't forget to check them out at trulyhorriblethings.com. Thanks also to Haley, Latifa, and my dad, Jim, for being a part of this episode. Once again, if you're in Houston, mark your calendars for July 31st when we'll record our live episode looking back at Saved by the Bell, as well as August 20th when we'll have our next monthly 30 Pop Trivia Night. Congrats to our winners at this past week's Trivia Night, Thunder Rats Ho. Thanks as always for listening, friends. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You're the reason this show is worth making. In fact, I've been doing a lot of thinking, and the thing is, I love you. See you next week. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1989 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.